welcome back to Channel KRT, the podcast where we take a look at the best and worst of obscure media. And today, we'll be time traveling, literally, to a series based on probably only the most famous film trilogy about time travel ever made since, I don't know, since they pre-made Donnie Darko in like the 1930s or something. I'm Kit Quinn, and joining me today are my co-hosts. It's your cousin, Tyler Green. You know that new podcast you've been looking for? Well, listen to this. (laughs) Marty, I've been caught going 88 miles per hour in a residential zone. I'm being pulled over and I'm probably (laughs) going to get a DUI. Oh, by the way, I'm Randy. And joining us today, and we promise we aren't going to leave you in an alley, you may know him as Zeiss33 and for his great YouTube poops and editing work, you know him as Jacob Miller 33 on Twitter and as Doc Brown impersonator number 49 in the Some Jerk with a Camera Back to the Future the Ride video. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob Miller! Welcome to Channel KRT. How tough are you? I ate a bowl of nails for breakfast and I only cried for 20 minutes. That's how the line goes. How tough am I? I sat through Michael Jackson's ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, right this way. Uh, sorry to keep you waiting. How tough am I? I sat through Zoobly Zoo and didn't go on a murder spree afterwards. That's how tough I am. How tough am I? I sat through while you were sleeping. Without sleeping. <laughs> it existed. <laughs> and speaking of franchises that have Thomas Wilson in them, it's time for us to talk about Back to the Future! Yes! The animated series. And before we talk about that series, uh, what are y'all's connections to Back to the Future, starting with Jacob? I'm not going to mince words here. Back to the Future is my favorite movie of all time. Just full stop. Valid, yeah. I've watched these movies, like, ad nauseum since I was in kindergarten. I actually got to ride the Back to the Future ride when I first went to, uh... Universal in 2004. Lucky. I've seen the first movie in theaters twice. I saw the entire trilogy in theaters back in 2015 when they did the whole 30th anniversary thing. I've taken my picture in front of at least two different DeLoreans. One, like, painted red. The other, the one at Universal Orlando. And I collect a bunch of Back to the Future stuff. I have coffee table books. I have the Playmobil DeLorean. And... I have the trilogy across four different formats. VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K. Yes! Currently, my white whale is Back to the Future on CED. Yes! I already have Tron on CED, but one day. I mean, hey, it's also available on video CD, so whatever that is. (laughs) One of these days, I swear to God... I'm gonna get a CED player and, like, just watch movies on it. (laughs) Huzzah! (laughs) Well, hey, you know someone who has Tron. And then, who wants to go next? I actually don't have a lot of connection to Back to the Future other than I just fucking love the movies. (laughs) I've seen the first one a bunch of times. I've seen the second one a bunch of times. I've seen the third one. I don't remember it as well, but... (laughs) In my room, I do have a nice big uh, Back to the Future poster hanging on my closet. As do I, but it's on my wall. Unfortunately, I've never been to Universal, so 
even when I was in Orlando in 2000 and 2001, I never got a chance to ride it, which I am now very salty about. <laughs> As well you should be. But also, aww. And I was thinking about submitting a show me your dog to some jerk with a camera at the time before, you know, me and Tony got to know each other, but... I had no money for doc stuff, so... <laughs> Aww. Hey, don't feel too bad. My doc costume was a white dress shirt and a white Walmart bag on my head. That's it. Yes. Uh, that was still too expensive for me. And it was an awesome cosplay. It really was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, the more ridiculous the cosplays look, the more amazing they are. I fucking love all of them. <laughs> but don't worry, 2015 Randy. In a few years, you're gonna be on, like, three episodes of Escape from Vault Disney, so... <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> Alright, uh, Tyler, do you want to go next? Absolutely, yes. So, there was a point in time where I was really, really hyper-fixated on the Back to the Future movies, but I've actually never seen the cartoon before, so going into this was really interesting, I think, as someone who like, really loved the movies, and I'm just going to say it, Back to the Future Part 2 is absolutely where it peaked. Yes, honestly. I know technically it may be the weirdest of the movies, but that's why I love it so much. Shark still looks fake. Fun fact, you start me on a line from that movie and I will pretty much quote the entire damn thing. I watched that movie that much. Speaking of Back to the Future 2, you just reminded me of another connection I have to the movies. So, one of the children at the um, arcade game and the diner in that movie was none other than Elijah Wood. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Who I have met at Rhode Island Comic Con 2019. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's so nice. <laughs> he is. I love that basically he and Daniel Radcliffe these days prefer to be known for their more obscure, fun little movies than they do their actual big, gigantic franchises. Speaking of him wanting to talk about his more obscure movies, I went with our friend Marissa and he lit up when we mentioned The Good Son. Yeah, <laughs> He just lit up and he told us all about how that was filmed all around Massachusetts and stuff. He, he just loved talking about it. So I think you're definitely right that he prefers to talk more about his more obscure works. Because I swear to God, we just said the words, the good son, and he just lit up. <laughs> it was so sweet. <laughs> I'd probably be the guy saying, hey! You're the guy from Cooties! Oh, he would love that. I definitely gotta ask him about the Greasy Strangler since he produced that yeah. movie. <laughs> that was a trip. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's ever gone and asked him about that time he played Pinocchio in one of those Disney educational shorts. Oh, Oh, man. <laughs> All right. And uh, getting back on topic, uh, are you done with your Tyler? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say real quick, I did ride Back to the Future the ride when I was... In Orlando for my first trip at my first and only trip to Universal. And I gotta say, I am so glad I got to do it because I was scared of everything there for some reason, even though I just was fine with everything else in Disney World and whatnot. But I just fucking loved Back to the Future the ride. I really wish it stayed longer because it was just so, so good. I can relate to that, Tyler, because when we was initially walking up, me and my family, we was initially walking up to the Back to the Future ride. Which, again, was the main reason I wanted to go to Universal. I was like, I don't know if I want to go. Can we go to the store first? And they were like, no, come on, we're getting on the ride. I was like, okay. And incidentally, I was also a big enough wiener to where I was scared of, you're not going to believe this, Twister Ride It Out. I kind of yeah. get that. And the thing is, like, you look at the outside of the Twister Ride building and it looks like, oh, man, 
carnage. And she's like, we're going to whip you around in a twister. <laughs> and then 11 years later, on my senior trip, I went to Universal Orlando. Twister hadn't been turned into the Jimmy Fallon whatever. Oh, God, even scarier. Jimmy Fallon's pointless circle of nothing. <laughs> Anyways... On my senior trip to Universal Orlando in 2015, back when Twister Ride It Out was still open, and I decided, you know what, I'm gonna get on this thing. Maybe see what the hell I was so scared of. Turns out the name Ride It Out was generous, because for those of you who've never experienced it, Twister Ride It Out is not a ride. It's an effects demonstration. Aww. A nifty special effects demonstration, but still that. That is a really misleading title. <laughs> yes, it's Universal's equivalent to that Armageddon special effects show they have in Walt Disney Studios Paris. They probably just needed an excuse to use the phrase ride it out and just slap it on any attraction. So they were like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? That actually would fit more for Earthquake. Earthquake is more of a fucking ride than Twister. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to somebody who was terrified of the Honey, I Shrunk the Audience show, so... I did not go on that as a child, and I am very glad that when I returned to the park, it was Captain EO instead, which is much better, and I will die on the hill that I fucking love Captain EO. You know what? Same. You know what did scare me in the Back to the Future ride, though, of all fucking things, was that safety video with the crash test dummies. <laughs> oh, that thing is creepy. Something about it really unnerved me, and the fact that one of the dummies basically gets its hand cut off just stuck with me for such a long fucking time, and I don't- I don't know why. Faceless, soulless, dead-eyed people being Aww. tortured. It's got big Foley family energy, and I do not like it. Hey, kids! Watch these things that look like you be tortured and killed. Um, so I guess I should quickly go into my history. So it kind of goes without saying that I only kind of freaking love Back to the Future. It needs no introduction, really. But I will say, though, it was not only one of the very first films I ever saw. It was the film that taught me how to swear because <laughs> yes! my dad got the VHS that still had like all the swear words intact. Eventually after that, I mostly just watched the TV edits, but for a while I owned the VHS. So I would quote that endlessly and I got in massive trouble for it. I would say things like, who the hell is John F. Kennedy and get sent to my room. And then I also said serious shit. And then I also said, we are gonna turn into assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Kit, they need to make time traveling cars real because I want to go back into time so bad so I can hear a child say, who the hell is John F. Kennedy? <laughs> Friendly reminder, this movie is supposed to air on Cartoon Network at some point. The movie where there is a fucking adult theater in the town square where you can see on the marquee, orgy American style, that same exact movie. <laughs> Coming up next, the amazing world of Gumball! <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do think they'll probably just add in the TV edit, kind of like they did with Transformers, I think. They played oh, that yeah. once, if I'm not mistaken, and then, yeah. <laughs> oh, they play Who Framed Roger Rabbit on, like, all sorts of channels, and there's a ton of scenes and shit that are cut out. <laughs> 
Yes. Although, this movie wasn't the first thing I saw either Christopher Lloyd or Michael J. Fox in. The first thing I saw Christopher Lloyd in was Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so... But the thing I saw Michael J. Fox in was not a movie, it was Spin City. <laughs> which was also my introduction to Barry Boswick, come to think of it. Asshole! Slut! Take a wild guess what the first ever thing I saw Michael J. Fox in is. Stuart Little? You're right, Stuart Little. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I forgot he was Stuart Little. Technically, the closest thing I've ever had to a Back to the Future video game was Stuart Little 2 on the Game Boy Advance, which was, like, one of the first ever video games and video game systems I ever owned. I remember once throwing a tantrum because I couldn't get Stuart Little 2 on PlayStation 1 in Walmart, and they were like, oh, you can get the SpongeBob game. It's like, yeah, I want Stuart Little 2. Believe me, you wanted the Spongebob game. <laughs> We're all awful kids. No yeah. arguing there, yeah. man. No arguing there. So yeah, I've been a pretty big fan my whole life. I never got to ride the ride because I've only been to Universal a total of once, and it was in 2018, which meant not only did I not get to ride Back to the Future, I didn't get to ride Jurassic Park before oh. it closed. So... My lifelong dream. Come to the East Coast. Oh, But I did get to see the trilogy on October 21st, 2015. Yes. I even called out of work because I was like, I have to see this. I don't care if I get in trouble at work for it. I have to experience Valid this. Valid as all fuck. <laughs> you did the right thing. I did the same thing, except I had to pull every string I could just to make sure, hey, could someone actually pick me up at midnight so I could actually see these three movies that mean the fucking world to me on the big yes. screen. I haven't seen Back to the Future on the big screen yet, but I did two times actually get to see The Wizard of Oz in theaters, which is my like all-time favorite movie, so. Pretty good. Huzzah. And then I remember that, yeah, it was just one of the best best experiences I've ever had in a movie theater, and it's kind of a shame that ever since then there hasn't been kind of like a reunion every year, because I guess it's kind of like, oh, we've reached 2015, there's kind of no point anymore, so hopefully they change their minds sometimes day. So I actually only recently heard of, not recently, I actually heard of it way back in 2015 and managed to catch a couple of episodes and it's a very interesting series. I think it's got kind of a mixture of really enjoyable and kind of meh, but honestly it's got way more enjoyable episodes than bad from what I've seen so far. Funny thing about the Back to the Future cartoon, like it aired in 1991, went off the air in 1992, and then for some reason, in the early 2000s, coincidentally, as I was really getting into those movies, they started airing reruns of it on Fox's Saturday morning lineup, Fox Box. Oh yeah, that's right. Holy shit. And despite that, I only ever watched like five minutes of the cartoon at that point. I was like, I'm into Back to the Future, but not this much. I want to watch Harriet the Spy for the 80th freaking time. And that weird 80s Babes in Toyland with John Wick and the lady from E.T. Give, give me... Yeah. We were terrible children. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agreed. So the DVD that I own, which contains the whole trilogy, actually does have two episodes of the cartoon, and they're... They're probably one of the weaker episodes. It contains the pilot, which is called Brothers, which is where they go back to the Civil War in there. What if the Civil War was just about two sides needing to get along? It's like, oh, ugh. I don't think that's what the Civil War was about, Marty. Thankfully, the second episode is way better. It involves them going back into royal times, and it kind of involves Clara trying to get along with Doc about something. And I like that they 
give her a lot of agency in the episode and kind of give her a really big story arc of her own. So it's a decent episode. But this one today we're talking about, I kind of loved because it was fucking insane. I fucking loved it. <laughs> oh, should we talk a little bit about the backstory for this show first? Back to the Future, the animated series aired from September 14th, 1991 to December 26th, 1992 for about two seasons. It was rerun until August 14th, 1993 on CBS. And it was actually created by Bob Gale, and it also had a little bit of Robert Zemeckis involved. Bob Gale has basically described it as, yeah, it's kind of a follow-up to Back to the Future 3 because obviously Doc is now married to Clara and they have their sons, but it's also kind of a what-if scenario, kind of what if they kind of just went off the rails with all the various time travel scenarios. So, because you know how kind of how Back to the Future the ride is very sillier than the trilogy? Yeah. Like how it's more, okay, we're just going to be insane. We're going to work more like a Bill and Ted movie then. So I guess the answer to the question, is the cartoon part of the Back to the Future canon is kinda? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, at this point, I feel like continuity kind of went off the rails ever since Doc built a time travel train, so... <laughs> <laughs> That train is awesome, though. Also, Kit, I did notice that the tone was a little bit sillier in the live-action sections especially because we have a lot of the comic slapstick from Bill Nye, who was actually a regular on this show. That's right. This was his debut in anything. I think he still might have been doing Almost Live at this point because I know this was, like, slightly oh, nice. before Disney picked up his show, but yeah. Bill Nye, the Earth's way of telling us, I fucking told you so. And also, thankfully, is still a badass in 2021, unlike a certain Neil deGrasse Tyson who's just mansplainy the mansplainy. Neil deGrasse Tyson is, like, that one guy you hate watching movies with because he'll be watching like some sort of sci-fi movie and he'll be like well that's not scientifically possible neil shut up it's a goddamn sci-fi movie let me suspend my belief for five fucking seconds why am i still friends with you you know actually heads can explode in a vacuum shut up i'm trying to watch total recall you know i do want to say i am so glad that they got christopher lloyd and Tom Wilson back for this. Yes! Yeah, and they got Mary Steenburgen back to play Clara. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, the only downside is that Christopher Lloyd only does Doc Brown in the live-action open and closing sections. I mean, no disrespect to Dan Castellaneta, but I'm not really that big on his Doc impression. According to the Back to the Future Ultimate Visual History Coffee Table book, which you may have heard been brought up in the commentary for the Some Jerk with a Camera Back to the Future three-parter, hint, hint, wink, wink, <laughs> go watch it. Hell yes! <laughs> I'm quoting here. Christopher Lloyd's busy filming schedule did not allow him to voice Doc Brown for the animated episodes, but he found free days in which he was able to don the wig and lab coat to film the live-action wraparound sequences. Wow. Fair enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing in the first season, you know, they just had them film a bunch of the segments back to back to back. Kind of like shooting Jeopardy. Yeah, they probably filmed this when they were filming for Back to the Future The Ride because, like the video segments in that... These live-action segments are directed by Peyton Reed. Yeah, he directed all the live-action segments in season one. Um, season two, they were directed by Bob Gale. So, speaking of the voices in this show and the cast and the crew and everything, so while I was watching the cartoon, when I heard Marty's voice, my first thought was, oh, that's Scott Weinger. Definitely. Sounds just like Aladdin and, like, Steve from Full House. I go on IMDb, 
I was wrong. It was actually David Kaufman, a.k.a. Danny Phantom. Yeah, yes. oh my god. I swear to God, I thought he was Scott Weinger. Because <laughs> he's just got that, like, Steve from Full House voice. <laughs> he was also Dexter Douglas in Freakazoid, so that's a fun little fact. Um, David Kaufman, I should add. And then, I will give Dan Castle an edit this. I kind of like his Doc Brown impression a little more than I like, say, his impression of Genie and Aladdin. The yeah. problem is, he's a very talented voice actor. The problem is, he's good at separating his voices, but as impressions, it can be kind of hit or miss. Thankfully, in this show, he kind of just has to... It's not super hard to do a Doc Brown impression, so I can see why it wasn't super hard for him to do this one, but yeah, it still would have been awesome to have Christopher Lloyd voice him, but what you gonna do? What do you mean having a Doc Brown impression isn't easy? This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do, Marty! But also, real quick about David Kaufman, I'm on his IMDb right now, actually. What you do instead of things! And it also looks like he is regularly the voice of uh, Jimmy Olsen from the uh, Superman series in like D the DC animated universe. And then Thomas F. Wilson returns for the series at playing Biff, and it's bizarre as hell hearing him in the series because all I can <laughs> hear is flats. I know, it's just... Hey, Marty, I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> there's movie Biff and then there's cartoon Biff. They feel like two totally different characters because Biff in the movies was like a fucking monster. He was capable of some really fucked up shit. In this cartoon, he's just the bumbling dumbass neighbor. <laughs> yeah, which it is kind of funny because there is a part where like Doc is just kind of casual about him being there. It's like, why? I thought he was like your number one nemesis. I thought he was like literally hyping him up as the big bad and back to the future the ride. <laughs> Not gonna lie, Biff as a whole animated live action ride, what have you, is probably one of just the most fun villains of all time. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is. Tom Wilson is a national treasure. Like, he's terrible, but you love his particular terrible, because <laughs> it's just so entertaining. <laughs> I will say this much, I like him a lot more in Back to the Future 2 than his real-life counterpart. <sighs> You're supposed to be in Switzerland, you little son of a bitch! What? We don't have to worry about him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And then another episode I had seen before was the dinosaur one where for some reason Biff has a T-Rex ancestor. <laughs> so does that mean Biff's a bird? Biff is a bird. By the way, so Amblimation, well, the Universal Studios Animation Studio, but you know what? I'm calling it Amblimation. That's more fun. So they managed to make a dinosaur episode of this show but they couldn't make a series of only their other biggest franchise ever, Jurassic Goddamn Park, for some reason. Yeah, they were gonna, but it got canceled for God knows what reason. Uh, let me look it up. Maybe it's because the toy line wasn't selling well. Yeah. Oh my God, you know what they did make a cartoon series of? Fucking Problem Child. Huh. That forgettable ass movie with the bratty kid. <laughs> that feels like a weird thing to make a movie out of. Like, I don't know what it's about, but the, the title The Problem Child makes me feel like a cartoon of that would be like making a cartoon out of The Good Son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, how would that play out? Amazing. That's how. <laughs> the only memorable thing about The Problem Child movies is that one clip of Gilbert Godfrey putting his hands on his face and going, ah! 
<laughs> we love you, Gilbert. <laughs> and also John Ritter's pretty good in it. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Clifford. So this studio is mostly known nowadays for making the Land Before Time sequels. And also the Curious George series on PBS, which is really cute. Some of the Land Before Time sequels, y'all good. Yes. But some of the other Land Before Time sequels, fuck you. <laughs> we need George V. Ducky, Dawn of... We need more money. (laughs) (laughs) They've only made a couple of theatrical movies. They made the Curious George movie, which came out in 2006. Hella underrated, needs more love. Um, They made the Tale of Despero, which I still have not seen. And they also made the Woody Woodpecker movie, which got released direct to DVD out here, but I guess got released theatrically in Europe. So I gotta say, for some reason, I really love the rendition of Back in Time they do for the opening for the I don't know why, it just sounds so epic. I do love it. You could never go wrong with Huey and Lewis in the news. Never. Absolutely. It's hip to fuck bees. Oh god, every every song they do is a fucking slap. Agreed. And the power of love and back in time were just the one two punch. That helps make the franchise just so iconic. Absolutely. Whenever you hear those two songs, you can't not think of Back to the Future. I feel like Huey Lewis and the News is like the sitcom of music. They're so cheesy and dated, but that's why you fucking love it. Yes. I have a question for you all. Do you believe in love? Do you believe it's true? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Do you believe in love? Oh, you're making me believe it too. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. But does she have that heart and soul? She's heart and soul. Heart and soul. I fell in love with you. I don't know. It is kind of funny to me that Alan Silvestri composed the music for both the Back to the Future and Avengers Endgame. And Endgame references Back to the Future. So that means that Alan Silvestri exists in Endgame, I guess. The Alan Silvestri cinematic universe. (laughs) Huzzah. (laughs) So we should probably go into this episode, shall we? So the comic Kahui is about to pass Earth's orbit. So Jules and Vern, Doc's sons, heh, get it, Jules and Vern are trying to search for a telescope and so they have so they're meeting with this obvious scammer guy who's basically like I'm gonna give it to you guys for $192 and then the little blonde kid is just like $192 that's my allowance for the next whatever and then the brunette kid is like oh that'll be 192 weeks so I'm just like his parents seriously only pay him a dollar a week even for a little kid that's pretty low Like, come on, Doc can't be hurting for cash that bad. Maybe a dollar was worth at least a little more for a kid in, like, the early 90s, but, like, still. (laughs) You don't have an emergency cash briefcase if you're hurting for money. True. Yeah. True. So Marty's telling the kids, oh, you don't need a telescope, your dad's building one, and then Biff comes in with a giant-ass telescope, which 
you hear him come in, so how does he already have that telescope? I guess he wants to trade it or something. I don't know. He basically says, all right, I'll buy it for like 95 cents and you can put the rest on credit. And then he breaks it. And for some reason, the scammer doesn't tell him that he now owes him a bunch of shit. It's like, well, first of all, <laughs> Biff's being a fucking Karen in this, so he kind of deserves to be scammed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I ain't getting my kid no defective equipment. I want to speak to the manager. Biff absolutely would refuse to wear a mask. Which raises another point. When the hell did Biff have a kid? Yeah, was that actually something that happened in the cartoon, or am I missing something here? Yeah, I forgot the kid's name, but yeah, he has a kid who's, like, uberly bratty and, like, is constantly causing hell for Jules and Vern, so... Wait, is that Griff? A tannin causing hell for members of the Brown and or McFly family? I'm shocked. Oh, wow. Ah, yes. A long-standing <laughs> tradition of time. The wind blows, the river runs, the tannins terrorize the McFlies. <laughs> the tannins have been harassing the McFlies since life on Earth was just nothing but bacteria. So then Biff realizes that it's the comic Kahui, so he starts screaming and freaking out and starts running around the store, breaking everything, and causes everyone in town to just go fucking insane. And he's like, aliens are coming! Aliens are coming! Aliens are coming! And so... Biff didn't see any of the signs hanging up in the store saying, The comic Kahooey's coming tonight, y'all. Yeah, maybe he just can't read. <laughs> yeah, that makes more sense. Everybody's afraid of this guy? Not only are they afraid of him, they trust his opinions on aliens. Yeah! I'd say a whole town trusting an attempted rapist with conspiracy theories about aliens is preposterous, but... We live in a post-2020 world, and even the preposterous makes all of the sense. Yeah. Oh. This would have been funnier pre-Q. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kids, Hillary Clinton wears babies' faces Nicolas Cage style. For some reason, Marty, Jules, and Vern all go up to this old guy that's gone at the bus stop. He kind of looks like the grandpa from Hey Arnold, and they're just asking him, so are you afraid of the aliens? And he's like, oh yeah, and he goes into his backstory on how he's met the aliens before. Then we just never see him again. All this for Dan Castellaneta to break out his Hans Moleman voice, kinda. Yeah, Dan Castellaneta does a lot of Simpsons as voices in this because yeah he does the old man and he also one of the army men that's kind of sounds a little bit like Krusty the clown i need the biggest flux capacitor you have no that's too big <laughs> duck brown presents man getting hit by football <laughs> i was saying boo if <laughs> <laughs> There's also this gag where like where like the old man hears it hears like this high pitched sound and for some reason Marty just has a harmonica and he's like, sorry, that's my harmonica and I'm like so is he just learning all the instruments now? You know, Marty really just irked me during this whole episode because all he's doing is he's is just making these dumbass one liners. He's not really contributing anything to the situation. Like, at least in the movies, Marty was able to get shit done. For once in cartoon history, the actual children aren't the damn wiener kids. <laughs> yeah, Marty's just going around being a troll. It felt like they were kind of confused on what to do with him in this series. It felt like because they were like, okay, he's kind of completed his arc for the movie, so I guess we'll just kind of have him show up in here and there. So when he does show up, it kind of shows, but eh, what you gonna do? <laughs> also, isn't Marty supposed to be a young adult <laughs> at this point? 
since this is supposed yeah. to be 1992. Why is he still acting like a teenager? Why is he still hanging out with children? Marty McFly? More like Michael McJackson. My headcanon is that Marty McFly just always has a harmonica with him. <laughs> and if Marvin Berry and the Starlighters said, Hey, the dance is over, unless you know somebody that can play the harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that would have been amazing. And speaking of, friendly reminder that Marvin Berry is played by one of the Tweedles from Adventures in Wonderland, Harry Waters Jr. Your cousin Tweedle Berry? Disney, you know that new animated world you've been looking for? Well, listen to this! Oh, and speaking of Adventures in Wonderland, uh, Wesley Mann, who played the uh, Caterpillar in that, was also the, hey, did you take his wallet guy in Back to the Future 2? Oh my god, yeah! Holy shit, it all comes back together. <laughs> yeah, no escape, you guys. No escape. Disney will never own Back to the Future, so they're just trying to insert as many references into their movies to it as they can or to their shows. <laughs> oh, and Michael J. Fox was in Atlantis, so hey, it all comes together. Which, by the way, it just hit me. Milo so Michael Thatch, J. Fox Judge could Doom. do Atlantis, but he couldn't do this series playing his most iconic character ever. I guess maybe he was like, oh boy, it's a Disney movie. So that's way better. So, <laughs> Well, that was more of a big budget movie than it was like a Saturday morning cartoon. But still, they got Christopher Lloyd back for this. There's no excuse. And again, according to the Back to the Future coffee table book, David Kaufman would actually reprise his Michael J. Fox impersonation oh. for the HBO oh, short little that. animated series. Was, was that was before or after the direct-to-video movie where it's all CGI for some reason? Before. Speaking of 2D animation, one I thing I kind of wanted to talk about was, was the designs for this show. I actually really like a lot of the other characters' designs. They're very cartoony. They kind of got this really, I'm not sure how to describe it, very expressive look to them. They look a lot like Hey Arnold and also like a couple of other shows. I think the best way I can describe it is that it's very uniquely 90s. You know how like most cartoons from like the 2010s kind of have the same general character design idea? I feel like the 90s had something like that too. And there's a lot of good ones, but they're just all so uniquely like that era of animation. Yeah. But also, I'm looking at the design for Clara, and I'm, and I'm <laughs> okay. I really thinking, like Doc's design. It definitely looks like how you think a cartoon Doc Brown would look like. I don't really care much for Marty or Jules or Vern's designs. I don't know. There's something about them that just looks a little uncanny. Like for some reason, the little blonde one has like a unibrow, and it, it just looks really weird. Marty kind of looks like Captain N, the game master. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, he does. <laughs> Oh, real quick, Captain N for Smash. Yes. So I'm guessing that makes uh, this guy, Captain M, the Back to the Future LJN games master. Ah, I guess so. Ah, there we go. <laughs> His only abilities are throwing bowling balls and picking up clocks and not being able to stop for anything. His other talent is that he can play Johnny B. Good really, 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 really fast. Yay! While well, the LJN Jaws game does show up in a shop window in Back to the Future Part 2, alongside a 
Roger Rabbit doll for some reason. So that raises questions. <laughs> As someone who yeah. has actually played the LJN Jaws NES game, fuck that game. As someone has who's played the LJN Back to the Future NES game, I would like to cooperate. Similarly, you're fuck that game. Laughing, joking, numb nuts. <laughs> I just realized we forgot to talk about the beginning section with Doc. Oh man. So the episode opens with like this alien invasion in an old movie, and then Doc's like, oh yeah, I went through time and I ordered a bunch of movies from the 30s and 40s and 50s, and it gave me such a mystery science theater feel that I just so badly wanted Doc to partake in the invention exchange. Yes. Incidentally, that alien invasion movie, that is the classic. 50s War of the Worlds, now part of the Criterion Collection. Wow. Ooh, cool. I was amazed I didn't recognize that because, yeah, I noticed that it had the spaceship and everything now that I think about it. So the wraparound sections in the show kind of work similarly to the Super Mario Brothers Super Show where they kind of introduce the show. So it kind of ties into the theme of the episode overall. And then at the end, they'll be like, okay, we're going to teach you a science lesson based on what episode we showed you today. So I will say that the science lesson they gave us was pretty cool it was yeah it was a because what it was is bill nye messing around with optical illusions he does like this bird in a cage trick where he draws like a bird on one side of a piece of paper a cage on the other side and then he puts he glues it to like a stick and then he's just like rubbing it in between his hands yeah that was a cool effect first of all that cage is way too fucking small for that bird so Animal abuse. <laughs> oh, hey, but you gotta remember, Biff is a bird, so that bird could be Biff. Huzzah! Okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marty can't be a bird because, say it with me, nobody, nobody calls, calls him chicken. I also appreciate that the wraparound segments, they don't feel preachy. Like, I kind of hate to admit it. They work a slightly better than the Weird Al show, which I love the Weird Al show with all my heart. It's an amazing show and deserves way better, but it was pretty preachy. The, the Weird Al show felt like it was like really trying to fight against it, and it was putting up a pretty damn formidable fight, not gonna lie. You know, I really wish that Christopher Lloyd would have done a drug PSA as Doc Brown, oh, where he God. tells us that if we do drugs, <laughs> we'll go to hell before we die. And if you do drugs, you'll go to hell before you die. <laughs> you'll be turned into a Goomba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And so anyway, going back to the episode. So then Biff ends up running into Doc, who's setting up this giant telescope. And then Biff, out of nowhere, is like, wait a minute, you're the alien. So then he's immediately calling the police and the military, being like, Doc Brown is an alien. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that Biff steals a tractor <laughs> out of nowhere. I fucking laughed my ass off at that entire tractor scene just because of how out of nowhere and just pure cartoon insane it was. Old MacDonald had an alien. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> just singing Old MacDonald while she did it. Tom Wilson is a fucking treasure in this. Protect him he at all is. costs. Oh my god. You can see why he would show up multiple times on SpongeBob SquarePants in the future. And now he's gonna be on the Patrick Star show too. Oh shit. Oh. I do have faith in the Patrick Star show, not gonna lie, because I did first of all, the first episode of Camp Coral is available for free on YouTube. I watched it and I'm not gonna lie, 
I liked it. Oh, nice. Randy, how dare you have a positive opinion about a SpongeBob spinoff? You monster. All right, I'll go get euthanized. So then he ends up meeting Doc Brown, and then he accuses him of being an alien, and then it leads to a bunch of chaos, and then Doc Brown is surrounded by the military, and (laughs) Marty, Jewel, and Vern's notice from a distance, and they're like, okay, we gotta go back in time and figure out what this is all about. It's so crazy how the actual U.S. military and, like, every police force ever was way too quick to respond to some, like, small-town bumpkin that one of his neighbors is an alien, as if they probably don't get that call at least 50 times a day. (laughs) I noticed that the Boy Scouts have gotten involved because apparently Hill Valley just has a working cannon on the ready, just on public display. And there's a bit in the montage where, like, (laughs) Some Boy Scout Scouts are coming in with a wagon full of cannonballs just like, we're gonna get the thing! I mean, they have the slowest news days imaginable, so who knows? <laughs> How high up on the FBI's most wanted list is Doc Brown that they were just so ready to believe he actually is an alien? At this point, it felt like everybody was naturally biased against him. <laughs> <laughs> And Marty and the kids don't do anything to help him. They kind of just, oh, God, we got to go back in time and fix this because that'll solve it. Or you could just walk up to the military guy, say, hey, he's not an alien. Oh, okay. Can I see his ID and some proof? Take off the helmet, show his ID. All right, bye. Episode could have been over. (laughs) Because Doc Brown is wearing like this telescope helmet. And that's what makes Biff think that he's an alien, which... Yeah, why not? It looked like Among Us. <laughs> Go to your room, Kit. I am in my room. <laughs> oh, there you reference game I have not played. <laughs> Also, when they go back in time, they kind of leave Doc alone so that he's stuck with the military. So they were probably going to gun him down. I hope he had another bulletproof vest. <laughs> So, if time travel actually does work the way Avengers Endgame said it works, then that pretty much means that we there is now a multiverse where Doc Brown was fucking shot dead by the military. <laughs> so then they end up traveling back in time to, was it 1960? Was it 1967? It's like 1967, I think. Yeah, yeah, 67. And so then they see some random hippie walking down the street and they're like, ah, an alien! No, that's a hippie. And it's like, it's kind <laughs> of a dumb joke. But then all of a sudden, Marty ends up getting attached to all the metal in town. And then for some reason, a metal detector gets set off. And then it just leads into a big chase scene where they're trying to cling to the car. It does kind of have little callbacks to the movies, like the whole, we're gonna cling to the car thing in order to go on a chase scene. And then one I'll go into a little later. But they do it pretty cleverly. There's also a bit where... Because of the magnetic stuff going on, he accidentally flies into a mailbox head first. <laughs> There's no way he wouldn't have died from that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but... End credits, Marty McFly has died. <laughs> Look, I know he survived a lot over the years, but there is no way he would have survived that. <laughs> okay, actually, I've always <laughs> wondered, speaking of time travel, so you in the present time goes back in time, but you die or you get and you get killed while you're in the past what happens i actually made a kind of joke of sort of that thing 
At the end of uh, one of my videos, Fun With Editing 18, later movie one, there's a bit where I play like the bit where Tony's in the Tomorrowland video, he's in the Tomorrowland cardboard display and he's just like, yeah, spaceship. I have a bit where he initially shoots DW from Arvo with a TIE fighter blast. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but then later, after a, like a Star Wars title call saying, future boy, blah, 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 blah. You know, there's the bit where he's like, and it's established, he's playing Boston really, really <laughs> loud. <laughs> and you can hear like a distorted version of More Than a Feeling playing. And then like a uh, fellow podcast guy, Rosenthorn, shows up and he's like, Sir, can you get off the right? Other people want to ride the future. No! Cuts to black, TIE Fighter blast, the More Than a Feeling gets clear, and it zooms in. Future Boy, 2112 to 2027. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, please watch Jacob's videos. They're so good. And so then they end up finding Biff in the past, which, by the way, was this like 10 years after the whole Enchanted Under the Sea dance? Because for some reason, Biff just looked way different. He looks exactly the same as he does in the 90s. Like, yeah. he didn't... It's literally the same exact character design. They didn't bother to, like, thin him up or anything or just lighten his hair up or whatever. It's literally the same exact character design so i was like so confused when he pops up on screen yeah and he's not even old and maybe the fact that he got his ass kicked by crispin glover got him like to the point where he's so down he was just like uh there's no reason to stay in shape i'm just gonna <laughs> cut off my hair <laughs> that's what getting your ass kicked by crispin glover will do and so then they follow him in like this truck and then all of a sudden biff crashes his car into this big ship that flies down and then doc walks out looking like a pickle basically i turned myself into a pickle marty Unpickle <laughs> You guys had one job. One job. Blame kid, she led me into it. I'm leaving this podcast. You guys are doing this without me now. No kidding. Bye, Tyler. We'll miss you. <laughs> you referenced the vegetable. Ooh, I got some mail. Hang on. I'm being informed that I am being thrown in the gulag for telling that joke. So, um, uh, well, this Good. was fun. I had a great time, but uh, I gotta go to Gulag now, so yeah. <laughs> That'll teach you, Randy. Oh look, I got a package coming my way. Ow! Oh, this package says that I am invited on an all-expenses-paid trip to the Gulag for people who make Rick and Morty jokes. Hey, Randy, I'm coming with you. Woo! Spring break! Yay! Dear Doc, we're all going to the Gulag, so <laughs> thanks for nothing, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I'm currently escaping from the gulag, but I'm still going to be able to do this podcast, so I'm, I'm doing this whole oh. thing while escaping a gulag. Just just keep in mind. <laughs> I'm having a nice fruity drink in the gulag. Yay! Oh, man. This is my spring break. I'm in a Hawaiian shirt and everything. <laughs> so then for some reason, they end up on the ship because they find out that it's Doc. And so then they're like, oh, so he is an alien. So that means we're part alien. I was like, yeah. Uh, why didn't Marty even try to debunk that? Because like, Marty would know. Marty just went along with it. He's like, 
He is an alien! So then for some reason, Marty doesn't even debunk that, so I'm just trying to figure out how this fits into the continuity of the series. Like, I know this is basically a what-if scenario at this point, but it's also like, so Marty's just buying now that Doc might be an alien? And so for some reason, Doc has this ship that's entirely peddled, and then he ends up discovering them. Oh my god, and he says the most bizarre joke in the episode. Nonsense! My name is Emmett Brown, noted scientist of Hill Valley, California. Right. And I'm Michael J. Fox, noted movie star of Hollywood, California. Ooh. So, how does any of this work, you guys? I guess uh, Michael J. Fox just exists in this universe, I guess, i.e. how Back to the Future can exist in Endgame. The, the only question I have about the entire fucking Back to the Future continuity in canon is just that one clip from Poltergeist of Dominic Dunn screaming, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> and to make it even weirder, when Marty shows up in the ship or whatever and actually meets Doc... Doc does not recognize him at all from their numerous interactions in 1955. Literally, what the fuck? What the hell? Yeah. Like, you'd think you would remember the same exact person who traveled back in time and told you you literally created time travel. This is the justifiable version of that popular How do Lorraine and George still recognize that Calvin Klein is Marty? Yeah! Yeah, but at least that kind of made sense. Exactly. Like I said, this question is, you know, justifiable because... How the crap do you not remember the face of the kid you put in a futuristic car and just zoomed through time, possibly killing him because all that's left are flames? So far, the Back to the Future cartoon closely matches Avengers Endgame more than it does the actual Back to the Future movies. <laughs> So they end up finding out that Biff is still going around running his mouth about Doc being an alien in the past, so they're like, you know what? We got an idea on how to torment him into not doing so, so instead of just, you know, showing that he's not an alien to Biff, they decide to go into this really stupid idea, but I kind of love it, where they dress up as beekeepers and basically reenact the Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan bit, where they go up to Biff's house where he's like, I'm gonna move to Alaska or something, and then he... That they just pick him up and they're like, all right, we're going to be taking you, man, pretending to be aliens. And then they're just like, okay, we're going to make an agreement with you that you never tell anybody about this in 25 years. Oddly specific, but okay. <laughs> and Biff, for some reason, has never seen a beekeeper suit, so. Because sure, why not? And then they go back to the present, and then Doc is safe again, which, so I guess the other Doc ended up just getting bombed down. Sure, why not? <laughs> and then they end up running into Biff one more time, and then Marty's like, Hey, Biffster, I thought you weren't supposed to talk about meeting the aliens. They don't scare me. Hey, hey how'd you know what they told me? That's what they tell everybody. <laughs> that was kind of dumb, but I kind of loved it, so... <laughs> I kind of like stupid Marty. Yeah. He's, gr he's growing on me. <laughs> yeah. The kids also grew on me too, so. Oh, at the end, um, there's an end segment about Doc. And he's like, oh, there's no evidence of UFOs, but people claim to have seen them all the time. And it's because of optical illusions. And then a bunch of Bill Nye optical illusion lessons. But first of all, Doc, that didn't age well because now even the U.S. government has admitted 
that there is evidence of UFOs, videos which have been released, I can just straight up say while I was watching that, I was like, fuck you, Doc. UFOs are real. Fun fact, I have seen a UFO. What? <laughs> yes. Um, I remember I was at the mall in the town I used to live in near the parking lot. And this was a bright, bright, clear blue summer sky. And I saw what looked like a star. And then as soon as I looked at it, sped away like a comet and disappeared. And I will die on this hill that oh I saw God. a UFO. Also, Doc has a freaking dummy with him, and he's like, Oh yeah, you believe that was me when you first saw it? <laughs> Don't talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> no shit, we believed it's you, Doc. What do you think the purpose of a dummy is? Yeah, and also for some reason he was forcing everybody to eat sawdust at the beginning of Back to the Future of the Rides, so I think Doc Brown has lost his mind. <laughs> But either way, this is the podcast where I get to say, fuck you, Doc Brown, UFOs are real. But all right, that's enough of my rants about UFOs. <laughs> and that goes into our final section. Do we give Back to the Future, the animated series, My Pops and Alien, a keep the tapes or erase the tapes? Jacob? I'm going to keep the tapes on this one because, you know, I've seen a few episodes of the Back to the Future animated series and out of the ones I've seen, this one was the most fun. It's a whole bunch of dumb, stupid, whatever, but it's also twinged with a bit of that 50s, 60s sci-fi aesthetic that I just love. So keeping the tapes up there just on that basis. It's going to be a keep the tapes for me as well. Uh, it's not the best adaptation of a popular movie franchise, but it's still a little bit of fun to sit through. And I did enjoy the specific episode, so definitely going to keep the tapes. Well, keep in mind, when I give my review... This is the only episode of the cartoon I've seen so far, so whatever review I ever give this episode, I'm pretty much giving the whole cartoon. And I'm gonna say keep the tapes. It just feels like such, like, all the best parts of just, like, what a typical 90s cartoon was. It almost had the same humor as the movies, too, but, like, more chaotic, and I just loved it. I did kind of love that Michael J. Fox joke. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, keep the tapes from me. <laughs> it is unanimous. I'm also going to give it a keep the tapes. Yeah, it's no real Ghostbusters or the adventures of Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius, but it's pretty fun for what it is. And if you watch the right episode like this one, it really is just a fun little ride for you. It works similarly to the Back to the Future of the Ride for me. Yeah, it's extremely silly, but it at least is enjoyable to watch. Agreed. I just had a realization. I think the Back to the Future cartoon might be the most easily accessible thing that you guys have covered on the podcast so far. Before 2015, copies of the Back to the Future cartoon were pretty hard to get. But now, you can get like season one and season two on Amazon for like 10 bucks each. Oh, that's so. cool. And now Peacock has to add it because come on, Peacock. <laughs> Prove that you're useful. <laughs> <laughs> Prove that you're useful for more than the Big Bird documentary and matinee. Exactly. Come on. Yes. <laughs> or just the morbid curiosity in that Saved by the Bell reboot. <laughs> yeah. Though thank you for having Parks and Rec. <laughs> All right. And uh, Jacob, do you have anything you want to plug? Well, I'd, of course, I'd like to plug my uh, YouTube channel, Zeiss033. I make all sorts of YouTube poops, but I also occasionally do other just sort of random stuff. I did a live-action reenactment of that infamous 
Back to the Future Part 2 previously viewed VHS commercial <laughs> where I had the family played by different copies of Back to the Future Part 2. Yes. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yes, so go subscribe to my YouTube channel. I also run a Facebook page where I occasionally write movie reviews. That's uh, facebook.com slash Jacob Miller's movie reviews. You know, go check that out. Like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at JacobMiller033. And uh, go see Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters because I want that movie to do well. Yes, I'm seeing that as soon as it hits the drive-in. It looks fucking amazing. If you are vaccinated, go see Godzilla vs. Kong in theaters. Monkey vs. <laughs> Dino. Monkey vs. Dino. Monkey vs. Dino. If you are not vaccinated... Only go if you feel totally comfortable doing so. Also, the MonsterVerse version of Kong is the best version of Kong. Yes. Change my mind. Yes. I'm not going okay. to, because you're right. <laughs> no, I do have a soft spot for the 2005 one. <laughs> I have a huge soft spot for the 1933 one. I just love the stop motion and the design. Uh, you can find me over on the usual Mission Breakout, Walking Pun, Mission Breakout on Discord and Twitter. And you can also find me trying to invent time travel so I can finally ride Back to the Future the Ride. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cosmic Rewind, but the E is a three. You can also find me at No Context TGIF and No Context Harley Quinn, along with a few various episodes of Escape from Vault Disney. No Context Harley and TGIF. Uh, you can also find me trying to turn my car into a time machine so I can go back in time and remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Channel KRT, cut to static. Phew.